So I'd get an alarm call in the middle of the night that would wake me up, and I'd be like, okay, is it really a problem? So people know. We're not talking about alarm clocks. No, we're, we're talking, talking about, about burglar, the security burglar, the system. security alarm. So I was sending them like straight-up texts like, you know, it would be really nice to get a good night's sleep. And realizing they didn't see the humor in that, they thought they saw me when they said Dave is so mad at us because they didn't know me. And one of them said, "We just we just need to leave this internship now." And then I felt terrible because I said, "No, I was a little bit annoyed, but I wasn't mad." You know, it's actually it's funny for a while. Um, and then we just so we've been having a lot of fun. They they've been setting it off about once a week, even in the middle of the day. So it's been it's been pretty hilarious. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. We are here with my very good friend, Dave Bame, who brought to us this Sunday, week two of our summer series in the book of Colossians. And uh, I said I'd figure it out last week. Here it is week two. I still haven't figured it out. Do you know, is it nine weeks? How many weeks? It's nine weeks. All right. I was told it was nine weeks. Yes, right. I think you got that. Think of of, uh, nine inning, a baseball game. Okay. With no extra innings. All right. Nine nine innings, nine weeks. Nine innings. Summer baseball. You got it. Karen does not like extra innings. Let's keep it to nine weeks. Nine weeks of Colossians. And here we are at week two, where you got to share just like two or three verses out of the book of Colossians. (laughs) I got half of chapter one. It was crazy. Which is like the depths of some theology of Christ and deity and humanity all woven in together that really should be like like six messages, at least four. So I I was pretty overwhelmed a month ago beginning to sort through that passage of what Yes. What to communicate in basically 25 to 30 minutes. Well, yeah. let me make it even more challenging for you, because the first question we always ask our guests is, give us your sermon in 60 seconds. Yeah, 60 seconds is tough, about it, but I'll try. But really, I, I titled it Gospel Perspective, because really trying to take Paul's words in that passage of understanding the, the, the preeminence, the power, the provision of Jesus Christ in his life and Paul's perspective on that, how it impacted Paul and his identity in life as a servant and then giving him purpose in life as he sought to live that out, but not only live it out, but communicate that as he is writing a letter to a church in Colossae that needed to hear this message that basically all of life needs to be brought into the, every aspect of someone's life and it needs to be brought into the perspective of the gospel of Jesus Christ and trying to make that front and center in, in what he's writing and what he's teaching and preaching that and then making it relative to, to us today. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you, Dan. About 45 seconds. Well yeah, done, my friend. Tried. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we were talking last week with Nate about the fact that in some ways you're getting you know, nine identical messages, which is Christ mm. is supreme, right? Christ, you know, he, you know, he is the fullness of God. We are to be full of him. So you're going to, you preach that message. We're all going to preach that message. Right. It's, it's, it's woven through the whole letter. Right. And it's a short, right. short letter. Uh-huh. Um, and yep. so it's, it's, that's what Paul mm-hmm. was trying to drive home to, right. to those Christ followers in the first century. Right. But then you were trying to make it real in our lives. How does that shape what uh, purpose, uh, identity, um, trying to remember the other things, provision. Um, there, there was a few other things in there, but there's so many ways in which Christ you know, is supreme. And then you um, flush that out with just what that, what that looks like you know, in a life. Um, we, you know, one reason I appreciate, you know, well, 
I think we've, I don't know if we've shared on the podcast or not. You and I have known each other over 30 years. It might be 35 at this point. Coming up on Almost 35, probably. 35 yeah, years 34, you know, that we've yeah, known each other. Um, so, again, to see someone, I just think preaching this message, you know, hearing a message from a person who has had as much life experience as we both had. You've had a couple years more than me, but we're pretty similar, you know, in age, and you've had a lot more years in ministry. But to speak, you know, from that perspective, and then you brought out the illustration of a, and you brought your track, track meet experience and the rest of it to the whole image of running a race, you know, you even divided up the four laps of a mile for us and kind of gave us some some time um, with each of those. But I have asked in previous weeks, um, what's what's been the personal journey on your for you as you prepared this message? But you kind of already answered that for us. You you really talked in a very transparent way and in a, in a difficult way about. Um, tough stuff in your life and what the message of Colossians meant for you. Can you recap that a little bit? Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good thought. Um, I, I probably had most of that message outlined or that at least that text read through and, and um, parsed a little bit and researched or trying to synthesize those thoughts maybe a month ago at least three or four weeks ago, and, and was, okay, I got this, got this, this makes sense, is how I'm going to put it together. And um, then I had to, in the, kind of in the middle of that, process this devastating news that just just knocked, the, for lack of a better term, knocked the wind out of my sails, caused some anger, um, caused some resentment, some sadness, all mixed in just a questioning of like, I I'm I'm done with church, kind of like this is like if this is gonna happen, all the good things you do, and then you felt like, really, and I, I I didn't I didn't question my own faith. I just felt like I don't I don't need anyone else to help me. I'm just gonna go live in the woods and just me and God. And my son and I used to have this little thing between us. My oldest son Dan. And we'd always, we had hiked chunks of the Appalachian Trail together. We maybe did 50 or 60 miles in, in Virginia. We've done half of Connecticut. We've, I've done a few other sections. We're a long way off from doing the whole thing, okay? But he would say, Dad, you know, when things aren't going well in life, I think you just get on the Appalachian Trail and start hiking one way, and you just keep going until God straightens it all out. And so I thought, that's really good advice. I'm going, you know? And uh, there's, there's maybe there is some truth to that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, sometimes people will bring an illustration that's very personal to them as yours was, but a lot of us are walking through that same thing with you. So it's something that we're all sharing and all trying to process. And it's, um, and the message of Colossians, I mean, one thing we said right away to each other is you can't put people on a pedestal right you can't put your trust you know you know in other people so i i think it obviously shakes our trust you know misplaced and it's, trust. it's people and sometimes it's even like a church it's an organization because we're imperfect mm-hmm. we're we're going to in a normal in the process of a normal week let let each other down you uh-huh. know? Yeah. And, and perhaps not sinfully but just by by making a mistake you know right. and yeah right Right. And I think even further for me, it's the 
Um, we talk about how how can we even trust you know others. Um, uh, there, I'm reading about this too, just in terms of forgiveness and trust and and the rest. Trust others, but for me, I've even started to think about myself. You know, mm-hmm. here was a man who deceived himself. How do I deceive myself? Right. You know, how are the ways? And I think where it came to light for me in your message was when you make, gave the illustration of having the right perspective. Mm-hmm. What, what is going to prevent so many ills? What is going to keep us on the right track in the right direction is you have to have your eyes right down that starting line or right down that finish mm-hmm. line if you are truly going to see the truth, you know, what's there. If you look to the left or to the right. Because I know that for me, I'll step to the left or the right, just, you know, I'll just deceive myself about a few things. You know, it's just like, here's this little bit of compromise. Do I really need to confess it? You know, do I really need to, you know, you know, here's, here, you know, here's a little lie or shame of the truth or some compromise of integrity or some ways in which I'm just, you know, prioritizing myself. Um, and I'll think it's a little thing. And we just need to be reminded of how big a thing it can be. So, yeah, that's, uh, an, you know, that's certainly a, an accurate way of, of describing that. And yes, you can be just a little bit off. Like when you, you know, that example I spoke with you, the finish, looking down that finish line, realizing you've got to be looking straight down to catch who's, who's coming across first and first, second and third sometime are really, really close. And you've got two people trying to call that. In a, in a track meet during the week when you don't have the cameras like yeah. you do in a big invitation on everything's electronic and they'll they'll break it down slide by slide and so they can see it and it's kind of fun sometimes to see if you're as good as the camera you know if you if you are that good and obviously in the 100 meters where they're coming through so fast it's so difficult but the thing is you can just be just a slight bit off and you you can't come close to to making that accurate call, and you know it because you because you're not there. Just a just a couple degrees, or not even that much. You're a little off. You don't have that angle anymore. And I think there's some application to that in our life when Christ isn't central. But he's just kind of off on the side, or I'm off on the side, and it's like now I'm really not thinking gospel centric in my life because I'm not looking at things front and center, and my perspective is skewed in my spiritual life. Right. Um, any thoughts on how you keep from drifting left or right? What is it for you that keeps keeps your perspective sharp? I mean, are there practical things you think about? Is it things you do? Is it things you have you know you are accountable to others on? Is it what are the things that you know seem to keep it? No, that's a good question. I think keep, keep the main thing know, the main thing. I guess um, you know for me. <laughs> Um, part of it is, you know, having some good godly friends around me that are quick to that that I can talk to, uh-huh. and my wife will be quick to remind me of, you know, hey, we need to look at this this way. Or we will talk to each other about are we seeing this like we need to see this, and having having those discussions. And she's quick to say, hey, we've got to look at this biblically from this perspective. And, and I know that mm-hmm. a lot of these things, you know. But you need someone else to speak that into you as well. And it's interesting, like my first reaction was like, oh, I'm, I'm done with people and done with church. So I'm, I'm saying to myself, I'm done with the people who can most help me. You know, and it's like, <laughs> and then the whole thing, you can get off the rails and get very, very far from, right. from front and center and from being mm-hmm. you know, gospel centric and, and having the, the, the perspective that you need to have in life. Yep. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's in, you know, I think you just, a big part of is it regularly listening to the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we heard in W3 this week in our, in our weekly meeting, you weren't there, you were coming back from, no, from I was Europe. Away. Yeah. And, um, I think Lewis brought up just how much Drew's message it was a topic was gluttony, but it was really a message about the heart and all these things mm-hmm. we tried. And I was like, you know, that, yeah, it went far beyond the topic of food mm-hmm. and it was personal. It was like, here's what we try to fill our life with. And so I'm saying that all because we need to hear those messages spoken into our life on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I know that I said during pre-preach, I mean, it, sometimes I'll listen and pre-preach and I'll take a whole bunch of notes. I'll have this stuff, but honestly, you know, for you, I just, I was, I was, I was very captivated. I mean, you're a friend, so that, that flavors it, right? Cause I know your life and I, I know you walk your talk, but, um, I was just, I, I think I said it was, it wasn't a commentary on the text. It was an experience of the text. So mm-hmm. you just brought, you know, so much life experience, you know, to it. And I loved your illustration about um, when we get this right, we're servants. Mm-hmm. And then what and, and what it meant for you to see someone who had a high position and yet was a servant. And I'm talking about, I think it was Ken Dorsey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, who are some of the um, big, servants. I mean, for me, I would say you're one of those servants because, you know, and, and it gets un- it gets uncomfortable to sit here and have someone say that about you because it's I like know. I no, know. It's I'm crazy, like, but... you know, I have bad attitudes like everyone else, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, you and me both, yeah. buddy. But um but there's you know there's so many times where just yeah, off the clock, you're not a, you're not an eight to five guy. I mean, anytime, night or day, you know, someone has a need, you know, you're going to respond to it. There's so many. You're the front line responding to a lot of the people who wander onto our property and you know have needs or whatever, and just have always responded well. But I'll, I'll let you move the light away from yourself, you know, and just mention who are the people that you've you know where you've seen who they are in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, make them servants, rich or poor. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe maybe a number of people I'll mention at Northridge, they're older, maybe don't listen to the podcast, so it's safe. I can use their names because they won't be happy with me that I mentioned. But, you know, we have a number of, of people still serving God faithfully here well beyond 20 years beyond normal retirement. In other words, they were serving faithfully while they were working, retired from their full-time careers, and then added more to their plate here. And I, I'm talking about a Jeff Mapes, you know, who is is in the next decade, you know, of, of life. He's he's finishing that that fourth lap, or he's coming around the far turn now, and he can see the finish line, and um, he just keeps on going. And and Bob Garnum, Bob Garnum is going to be 92 in a few months, I think, in the fall, and Bob still comes in on a weekly basis and is twice a week and does gardening. And he is apologizing to me Sunday morning because his, he, his arm, his wrist is not working like it used to work. He's, I don't know if I can do all that anymore. And I'm like, and I said, Bob, take a rest, take a couple Advil. You'll be good. And that was really pastoral, you know, but knowing, knowing Bob, he'll, yeah. he'll probably figure out a way to keep serving. Mm-hmm. Sandy White. Yeah finances all you know all these years right. you know of just continuing right. 
decade mm-hmm. after decade, and no one will know mm-hmm. behind the scenes the amount of time voluntarily that some of those people have given to the cause of the gospel. Yeah. Well, listen, we've celebrated a lot of people who have finished, you know, finished the race well or close to finishing it well or hitting its stride. I mean, in your illustration, Drew is only on his second lap. Our lead pastor is only in the second lap. He's he's doing great. We love Drew, Mm. you know, and just a, you know, a long way to go. But what would you say? Yeah, uh, to someone who steps off the track first. What do you say to someone who steps off the track as a as a as a track official? And what do you say to someone who's inspired, you know, by you know what what you shared, but says, "Hey, in life, I stepped off the track." What 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 can you say to me? Yeah, certainly there's some some rules in track that break down when you when you bring the gospel into this yeah. because every if you, metaphor if you ste- breaks down. If you down. step off and gain yes. an advantage, you <clears throat> can't step back on and mm-hmm. and different things like that. You can't leave a lane in certain races. You can't step off. You you know, there's all kinds of things. But you know what? In life, because of the gospel, because mm-hmm. of who God is, and because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, and what Paul talks about, that we've been reconciled to Him. Mm-hmm the provision made for us because mm-hmm. Jesus paid it all and took care of that void in our life, took mm-hmm. care of the sin problem once and for all. Yeah, we're, we're going to struggle. And there are going to be times where, where people have struggled deeply of where mm-hmm. they've walked away for a period of times. But what happened to the prodigal son and, mm-hmm. and the father stood there waiting and saw his son from across the field, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for him to return home. And what, what a picture that is of a loving God graciously waiting patiently for reconciliation and restoration and things are going to be made better and we're going to celebrate. I, I think we need to remind people of that on mm-hmm. a regular basis because the depth sometimes of messing up because some people, some people have said to me, "I'm so discouraged. I just, I cannot come back to church. I just, you know, and, and yeah. especially people struggling with addictions sure. and how many times that brings them down and they've lost a relationship mm-hmm. again and a job again and a friendship again and they've lost all this trust and they have to start over again. Your heart goes out to people like that, that their life has been de- has been devastated through some right. of those sinful habits that just grab such a hold of themselves right. that it's it's this continual I got to stay on the track. Yeah. Yeah. And for some of them I just think that they may have an opportunity to understand the gospel even more than 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 us. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we deceive ourselves, delude ourselves with you know, <clears throat> how fortunate God is to have yeah. us on the team sometimes, which is pure, pure baloney. It's so far from the truth, but it's just a little more, it's, it's, it's an opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. to see the gospel. And so that's where it breaks down, yeah. right? You don't get to step back on the track, you know, but, uh, you know, Jesus said to Peter, you can step yeah. back on the track 70 times, seven times. You get it. You get it. In the official score sheet, you get a DNF by yeah. your name, did not finish. Mm-hmm. And that's not true in Christ's eyes. If you step back on and you keep going, right? you're, you're going to finish even if you've got a limp across, even if your last lap isn't like you're coming home strong, but you're, you're limping in even because of the ravages of sin and the devastation of sinful decisions. You have found grace at the cross, and you know that Christ has paid it all for you. Right. You, you can... 
be welcomed at that finish line. Does that does yeah. that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I always remember you and I both knew. You knew, worked closely with Ralph Gruenberg. I'm, mm-hmm. pr- I'm pretty sure his life first was Philippians 1-6. He would, like, sign almost everything right. with it. Yeah, he who, my memory. Yeah. yeah, he who began a good, good work in you, in you will, will complete, complete it, it. Yeah. until the day of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Complete it. Yes. So yeah. when you step off the track, you know, God... You know, just know, thankfully, you know, the verdict was already in. You know, in, in Paul's heartbeat, in that second section that I read, that the last part of, of chapter one there was his call to move people toward maturity in Christ, presenting them mature in Christ. And he labored strenuously. You know, he, he works, you know, intensely to accomplish that in the lives of, of that church, the people yeah. he was writing to in the first century. Right, yeah. right. So... Step back on the track because it's the it's God who finishes the race for us. All right. Well, listen again. Thank you, my friend. Always appreciate oh, you know the wisdom you bring, the encouragement. Oh, thanks you for bring. having me. No, it's good. Good to see you. Glad you're glad you're yep. back home. Yeah, it's and great, a special great to see you today. Great, and a special treat for you, podcast listeners, is through the summer series you get to see a few different faces. So, come back next week. We'll continue to see new faces and to unpack the message of Colossians.